Are you ready to get provoked? You're listening to Can I Live, a show created to excite, ignite, and expose. Let's tune in with your host, R.W. Jones. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you and welcome to the Can I Live podcast. I'm your host, R.W. Jones, and you have here Glenn Warren from Fathers Forever. Say hello to the people, Glenn. And we have a special guest, Dr. Mokhtarian, who is a friend of the the, the show, and we are always very delighted to have her. Hello, Dr. Mokhtarian. How are you today? Hi, uh, Raquel. Thank you all for having me on. Great. Wonderful. So today, you guys, um, what what we do ask you to do is participate. So this is not a one-sided show where you're just listening to us talk. If you have a relatable experience, if you have something to share, we do call on you to participate. So feel free to put it in the chat. And if you go over to the Brilliantaires page, um, you can join the Conversation Live on Facebook. We ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get to 100 subscribers. We've been saying that since like, we started this podcast in June. We'll be one years old um someday i don't know exactly what day but next month we will be one years old starting this podcast and we don't even still have 100 subscribers now i know all of that will change soon because we have some new people joining the team that's going to help us with that but goodness gracious this algorithm with with facebook and all this other stuff i just can't get it and somebody said it's not algorithm it's just y'all not you know, you're not posting or we not, it's hard to find. I don't know. All we do know is that we need a hundred subscribers. So go to Can I Live Podcast on YouTube to subscribe to the channel. So today, you guys, we were talking about a low down, dirty shame, the degradation, the, 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 the humiliation, the, you know, the ultimate embarrassment that comes with handouts, you know, standing on that social services line. Or when it just comes to just welfare and just needing that hand out. And when you have this back child support, you guys know we've been doing this child support thing since January. And men are not willing to come on the show to share. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I would think by now men would be clawing themselves out of, you know, just trying to make individuals aware of how one-sided the system is. Because, you know, you'll talk behind doors and you'll say how effed up the system is but when an opportunity has come for you to share and you know share your side of the story those that really came over and got through it those are the ones that want to share but the ones that's like really like in it right now i'm trying to understand what's the what's the deal so first i'm gonna go to you mr warren because you run a fatherhood program organization called fathers forever So you're seeing fathers all the time coming through your doors that are mandated by the court to be in your program to avoid jail. So I can see where maybe initially in the beginning, there's some reluctancy because they're forced to be there or else go to jail. But I know that there's always this transition that happens once they get there. So can you talk to me what it, what's this, what's the issue? What, why won't they come forward and share? That's a million dollar question that I don't have the answer to. I'm not sure why. Man, uh, Glenn, you always got an answer. Even even when with with the 
threat of going to jail. Um, the court ordered this guy to come to the program, and if he doesn't show up, he could go to jail. They still don't show up. Still, only about thirty to forty percent guys show up. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, and well, that's different. That's real different. Because here I am thinking you can't get on a little podcast show, and they got a real live situation at exactly. the jail, and they right. still won't even come. Okay. Right. That's part of it. Part of it's got to do with our nature as men. You know, we you know we don't go to the doctor until stuff stop working. Even though we should go to the doctor, we know we should go to the doctor. We just avoid stuff. That's part of kind of who we are as a, as a, you know, and we don't always do things until we're forced to do it. And so you know, as women, you got you guys together, you know, just over tea. We had to have a purpose. We had to have a reason why we gathered together. Mm. And sometimes, um, you know, and to come on the show and talk about your irresponsibility of being a father and not doing what you're supposed to be doing in itself is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to show up. I mean, they're not going to come up and say, uh, hey, guys, I'm behind my child support. I've been dodging the system for the last 10 years. They're not going to say that. Just don't look for that to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So what would, what, yeah. Okay, so now I mean, now that you put that in that kind of perspective, that does change it a little bit. Because I was like, "Yo, I was in my feelings. I was feeling a little like, what's up?" No, you know, you, you guys, you women get together for you know, y'all get together about anything. That's okay. That's who y'all are. We don't do that. We don't, you know, y'all go, y'all, y'all can go to the beach and hang out and just read a book and go shop. We ain't going to the beach unless we go and chase some women somewhere. We ain't going just to hang out. With each other, we got a we got a purpose of man playing golf, playing football, finding. So what are we doing? There is a reason why we're doing it. We're just not gonna go to the hotel and check out and read a book all day. That's not you know. So we have to have a reason to do things, and a lot of times, um, it's more like purpose driven. Yes, yes, yes. We we um, you know we and a lot of times again we we don't go to the doctor until we are made to go to the doctor most of the time. Mm. Uh, just we you know we sometimes we think that, you know we could fix everything and we got the attitude of fixing things and we you know we think we, we, we must have fixed it and we can fix it all but we can't and um just part of who we are it's part of our nature um uh, so don't get angry when they don't come in and pour out their heart as to why they're not being a good father mm. they're not going to do that I mean, the system, and I've said this a thousand times, and me and Kim have had thousands of conversations about the responsibility of the system, as well as the responsibility. You too, Raquel, that, you know, the, the two issues we have, we do have a systemic issue, but we also have an individual issue, and we got to fix both of those. And we, you know, we can't blame the system. Which, for one, which one do you think we got to fix first? Is it a fix first type scenario? No, it's got to be fixed because the system operates because we're not doing your part. You're not doing you. You know, the system got people are not doing their part. Yeah, make you do what you're supposed to be doing. Make you take care of your child. You know, uh, and, and 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 we know the system's not perfect by any stretch of imagination. But also, there's some things that we can't blame on the system that we have to um, to get fixed ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what we're trying to do with Father Forever is and start doing some couples, you know, we, when I wrote the book, When Love Is Not Enough, it's really about co-parenting. And it's about coming together. And, uh, you know, one of the quotes I have in a new book coming out 
that co-parenting is not focused on one another, it's focused on your child. That's what co-parenting is about, not focusing on one another, but focusing on your child. And a lot of times you can't focus on your child because you're focusing on one another. You mad with her, she's mad with you, and the child is just in the middle. And the child is getting ripped apart, they're being torn apart because mom and dad is fussing and they can't seem to get it together. And the child becomes the switch of the pawn that each parent uses to beat the other parent. And the child becomes the one that's the victim. And so we can figure out a way to help fix that. Um, we can blame the system all we want to. And it's just, like I said, the system got an issue. We all know that. But the system can't fix this part. We have to fix it. And I don't know. I mean, I'm going to invite Dr. McTerry into the conversation soon, but, and I guess I'm going to need her because, you know, when I get for at a loss for words, ain't no words for me. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm done because I really, in the back of my mind, I don't know. I can see where people give up. I can see where people are like, okay, enough is enough. How much more can we take? Enough is enough. And then I'm like, no, we can do it. We can do it. Let's go. And they're like, Nah. And, and I will, I will say this. I, you know, I don't know. I think I do not like charging everything to like, I don't like just taking a thing and just charging it to the game, but mental health, we are, a, I think if every one of us at least accept that we have some trauma on various levels, because I just don't see how the, how you could not be traumatized by various situations that have happened, but that trauma is playing out. And so from spiritual strongholds to mental health, to all of these things, which I feel like mental health is like spiritual on a whole nother level. Um, it has to be winnable. The battle has to be able to be won. Surely the battle can be won. So Kim, this is where I'm gonna bring you in. Talk to me. Can this battle be won? Um, I believe the battle has already been won, Raquel. Um, I just don't believe that we are putting into play the game strategies that are that have been set before us um, for a sure win. And I think we're playing two different games. We're playing the game of capitalism, but we're also playing the game of stewardship over humanity. And they don't mix, they don't mix. So when people talk about a system being at fault, you also have to take in a recognition that the father, you know, I think we're all three believers here. He set up a sure plan of success for life. And whether we want to acknowledge that plan or not, it has been set. Um, it has been set, the family structure has been set. Um, all of these things are already into play. Now, what tends to happen is, and you know, I'll go back because I'll go for my playbook here. And there's a um, playbook rule number one that says, for though you have 10,000 instructors, yet you don't have many fathers. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, my playbook tells me that there are many who have the ability to be a father, but there are not many who choose to be a father. And fatherhood is a choice. 
it's a choice because in order for you to be a father, you first have to be a son. And that is what our organization is about, is listening and, you know, getting that chastisement at an early age. Unfortunately, people like Glenn um, are strapped with or basically tasked with fathering many of the young men to be fathers themselves at adult ages. Some of the things that are now being taught to them should have been instilled in them early on. And what you have now, by the time Glenn reaches them, you have grown men with not just one child, but several children, um, barely making it themselves and leaning on some woman to um, supply their needs. Uh, And so what we have is a bunch of bastards raising more bastards and not many fathers and the body of Christ is the answer because God himself made fatherhood he made fatherhood and he made childhood and he may even like I tell people all the time Jesus himself was born without a biological father but God made sure he had a dad even though Mary was his mother and there was no conception between the two, he made sure there was a man to to pass on to Jesus manhood. Now, if God would do it for somebody who don't even have manhood in their DNA, how much would he not set up our communities to be in the same manner? So we have fathers. The problems are, do we choose to beget other sons? And in turn, they either become bastards by choice or by default. So when you say get other sons, what do you mean? Well, I'm sure based on the seeds that people like Glenn have placed the words of instruction in, they now have something to give back. Even though it's late in the game, they can turn around and have some tools to turn, turn back. And let me say this. When we were trained as a child, we were not trained based off of what we wanted to do. That is the that is why you're getting the backlash of trying to get men to come onto your program. You got to remember when Glenn met them, he met them at a place where they didn't. A lot of them didn't always want to be a father. Sure. They wanted to have sex. They want to have the convenience of being in a relationship without commitment. They didn't want the commitment of being having a child support. They definitely didn't want to take their check and give it to somebody every single paycheck and not know where it was going. These things, you're talking to men who are actually still children. So wait a minute. So you said something. The choice of fatherhood. So men, while they wanted, like you said, wanted to have sex and may have just, oops, which I, Glenn and Parvey say, that's not an accident. That was a choice. Um, should fathers get the right to choose whether or not they bring a baby or is their right to choose given up if they go raw? Well, that is automatically, it's already forfeited. They, they've they already- forfeit when you go right. raw. They need some banners out there. We win them commercials, you forfeit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was a mother at the age of 16. No one asked me if I wanted to be a mother. We had we had those children. 
We had to mature. We had to make sure they had something to eat. We had to make sure we couldn't wait on if he was going to get a job. We had to, you know, we did. We couldn't demand that he get a job. We went, we bypassed them and went directly to WIC social services, we went to a sure foundation that we knew that we weren't going to have to, you know, get into no argument over a can of milk. But see, here's what, here's the breakdown for me. The breakdown is, and I, maybe I might be wrong because I was never on a slave plantation. And I don't know why black people have a propensity to always revert back to slavery for some, some kind of frame of reference that we really don't know. We only like hearsay surmise and can kind of figure out through what we've read in history. But I guess back then, fathers would make the children, right? And I don't know if you could even be a father back then because you was out there tending to master. I was about to say massa. Massa and his cronies and all his goods. So they probably couldn't even be fathers to the children, let alone when the children will get sold. It's like, don't even detach yourself or emotionally attach yourself to the children because of that detachment but the women stayed nurtured that child and that trauma that happened so i'm trying to understand where did the breakdown come in were black fathers always in a were we also always from the beginning in this fight to be fathers because you don't you hear black moms slave moms having to take care of the of masses children but you never talk about the fathers and what they went through and what they had to, I, I should be like, wait, hold on. I feel a, a slave ghost coming on. Like, whoopee, is that you? <laughs> I just feel like, <laughs> I just, I had to do, I was talking about ghosts. I had to do a ghost move on you. Um, that I love ghosts. That was like one of the best movies. But like, I never, I'm just trying to trace it back. Like, were we not good fathers? We were had to be at some point in time. We 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 were good fathers. I mean, there's again. We still are. Some of them. still are. Like in my father's generation, you took care of your kids. I mean, you, they had 10, 11, 12 of them, but they worked and they took care of them. Um, my generation, you start to see less and less fathers stepping up to the plate. My son's generation is even worse than that. So it ain't that we could go back and say, you know what, this has been a problem since slavery. It hasn't been a problem since slavery. This problem just got increasingly worse as time progressed. And again, it's it's a combination of things, mm -hmm. but some of it is a personal choice. And then some of it is society hasn't done what it needed to do to help prepare these men. Again, a personal situation, my daughter got pregnant with my nine-year-old son, beautiful little boy, I love him to death. Um, they, they helped her go back to school they helped her do all this stuff that was helping her to become a better mom to take care of my grandson. What happened to the father of this little boy? They told him to find a job at McDonald's and Hardee's. Now he's still, he's still trying to pay, struggling to pay the little child support because he's not making any money. Now, how about we put him in school? Right. Give him That's an education. That's one of our policy initiative, educate, not incarcerate. Exactly. Give, okay. give him education. I mean, make him pay child support to some degree, but also give him the ability to go to school instead of just say, you know what, you go find a job. I know you got to find a job, but how about you go find a school? You get enrolled in a school and to be able to prepare yourself. Now that you have that child, let us help prepare you 
to be able to take care of that child. Yeah. And that's what we, that's some of the things that we've got to fix. And these and these these men, these boys who are now fathers. Um, the other issue is even in one of the stories that I read wrote that says girls get it, boys don't. And the premises of that story was what little what do little girls get when they're growing up? They get baby dolls, they get talent sets, they get little tea sets, they're imagining their families, they're watching their mom cook, and now they got the baby dolls, they're calling the baby dolls her, they're changing the clothes, they they, they pretending like they're cooking dinner for this this family because they watch their mom in the kitchen cooking. So they've been trained from a little girl, one, two, three, four, five, up to 16, 17 years old, what it is to be a mom. True. What it is to be a little uh, 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 responsible. So when she gets 18, you know, 14, 15 years old, her mom is there. She gets old enough, she gets her cycle. Her mom takes her to the store, show her what she needs to get. And then she graduates from high school. She gets a boyfriend. Her mom tells her how to treat a boy. Now she gets pregnant. Her mom's is there to tell her the difference between a quiet that the child is hungry, then the child is hurting. Mama is training this little girl from the time she was one or two years old. So by the time she gets to 18 years old, she have a good idea of what it is to be a mom. Now, what do little boys get? They supposed to get football, uh, and they do. Football, they get football, trucks, guns. They get all of this stuff. But the problem is, dad is not there to show little Johnny what to do with his guns and when to put them away. And now before he's 18, he's got a gun in the front of his pants, and he got a gun in the back of his pants. And daddy haven't taught him how to use either one. So by the time he's 24, uh, 18, 19 years old, he's got three kids. And also he's so angry and bitter because dad is not there. The, the, the gun is in the back of his pants. He do a drive-by because now he's a part of the game. So Jimmy is 18 years old. He has no clue what it is to be a father or be a man because dad has not been there to model to him what it is to be a man. Whereas the little girl gets it from the time she's three years old. Yeah. What do you guys no, that's a good yeah that's a really good um analysis glenn of the truth of where our culture is i was just telling somebody that i have two degrees in criminal justice and you know oftentimes most folks in this day and age are talking about criminal justice and the reform and i said first of all the reform is not criminal justice the reform is our families and our communities um why because the difference of knowledge comes from the father. Now the mother is the nurturer and she from day one has nurtured from the umbilical cord to make sure that child eats before she even sees it. Right. Now, once you have that baby, the dad is here to teach your principles, processes and how things go, how mechanics go, how things work and why it works and that is that becomes their purpose is making sure something works and making sure it is efficient who is most impressed by that is a woman a woman that knows you know how to make a car work and make things work and build a house so we are the audience to a man's um we are the cheerleader when he builds 
that bench or that wooden deck or can. So that's where the woman comes into play. But if, if you don't know that part and all you know is just the gratification of sex, then after a while that gratification wears off and you don't have any substance to hold it together. And that is why education in college is so important because you are constantly building the brain and the brand of your, of your family. When you keep jumping from house to house, your brand diminishes. Right. Um, and you can't hold but certain empire. You can't hold but one empire at a time. Now, here's the sad part is that when I was in school, 90% of the students were white males. They already knew that they wanted to be law enforcement. They already had a clean record so they could purchase a gun and get a law enforcement status. Some, some of them were only 18 years of age. By the time our young boys even see the daylight of manhood around 16 and 17, they have their first felony. Yeah. So there is nobody to teach them the ropes of life, the policies and procedures. And if they had any chance of protecting themselves by having a gun or what have you, it's already forfeited from lack of education and the proper support systems around them. And that is why it is so important that we go back to community because the community is your true reformer. So you said it wasn't criminal reform, it's family reform or community reform? It's, it's family reform first because it starts in the home. Family reform. Which, you know, which, which brings us to a point where, you know, the, to, how, how to fix the system sometimes is programs like mine. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only program around, but there's not a whole lot of fatherhood programs where the judges is forcing these guys to come to class. Because again, we're not gonna come on our own. And half of them don't come on their own when there's a jail sentence. So we need to get somehow in the community to get these judges and these legislators to appropriate funds and to start having these judges order these men to come to these programs. Because when you get a DUI, whether you like it or not, you're going to go to this substance abuse class. If you beat your girlfriend up, whether you like it or not, you're going to this anger management class. Right. And you're motivated because that's how you can get the charges dropped. Are you motivated to go to this substance abuse because you're not going to get your license back? So you go. And when you sit there in that class, guess what? You learn something. You learn how that you should have known it. Maybe you didn't, maybe you don't. But you learn a lot about. <laughs> Substance abuse, the effects of it. When you when you get into anger management and you beat your girl with you learn a lot about domestic violence. Right. So when you come out of those classes, you should be somewhat reformed, not to do that again. The same thing with the fatherhood class. When they guys get there, they're mad. They don't want to be there. But when we start to talk to them, you see them go from like this to like this. Because we say something that they understand that this is my child, this is my seed, this is my blood. But now let I'm me ask you this question. I guess I'm I'm conflicted. One, 
if the system is benefiting a great deal from them being not there, because there's much, and, and for most of you guys listening, there's a correlation between welfare dependency. They can see and they can track how long a mom stays on welfare. And if you look at the systems, I promise you, once we get some money, we will put a research team on this thing. Um, I guess I'm perplexed to try to put the system in charge of something that is a conflict of interest for them. They get money when we don't do what we're supposed to do. So if we're going to ask the judges to mandate these individuals to come to programs, which, okay, that can help. At the end of the day, we may have to market this in a different way, speak it in a different way. Like you said, men only show up for purpose. And if we want the judges to even mandate, and if we need monies appropriated in the federal budgets that can feed state budgets or even in state budgets, they, they're going to say, well, I don't see there is a problem. Where's the problem? What's the problem? What body of work is being done collectively to gather the data to tell policymakers that this is a problem? We can't say it's rocket science, it's automatic, this is what it is. Dr. McTerry can bring you some sound doctrine or just you know, rational understanding. They're gonna say, give me the data, show me the data. And I don't know when people go, when men go to jail, if it's a questionnaire, dude, is there an intake question that says, do you owe back child support? Is that even a part of the questionnaire? Maybe it's getting that question on the box so we can extrapolate that data in a more clear, concise way. So we can show that 90% of fathers who go to jail or go to prison also have back child support. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Um, let me put this out there too, because you're also forgetting that there's a culture of, a culture that have been has been created um, that actually glorifies irresponsibility. I think that is even the more disturbing and also unbelievable when you say Wait, that. Well, who does that? We do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There is a wide culture of uh, irresponsibility and lack of commitment that makes you macho for not being um, able to be pinned down. I mean, it's not just child support. It's in everything that people do. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to get a license. Dating the personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I, I can drive my baby mother's car, don't go to work, and don't even have to have a license. I mean, look at the layers of mm. almost entitlement to not be responsible. Mm -hmm. So, like so. So there is a new culture that says the less responsible you are, almost the more, it's almost saying I'm uncatchable for a, mm. for a black young man to say, you can't catch me. It's almost a thrill. It's almost euphoric. The high speed chases. Um, you know, we're talking about men, black men being gunned down, but I remember the times I grew up in the projects with my aunt and I remember the young boys who like to be chased. Yeah. They take out running and the cops run after them. And when they slid into the house on second base, they was talking about, man, 
he was dead on my trail, but I, you know, they knew the cops by name and they was laughing at how they dished them and shook them like they was on the football field. You know, so this thrill of the chase of being able to get away with murder and get away. I mean, come on, we watch 48 mm-hmm. hours. We watch 48 hours and we have black men that'll kill somebody and don't even leave the city and Uh-oh. go back to the place where they killed. So, I mean, go right back to the same projects where they killed the person. So we're talking about a culture. But wait a minute. Yeah. But this culture is not just white folks. I mean, black folks. Oh, no, no, because, no. Yeah, it's, I think it comes. I'm not going to say it comes from the white culture, but I will believe that it was probably birthed and instituted in the white European, Western European, American culture, because look at your legal system, your legal system evades personal responsibility to the utmost. It's about what you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's not about whether or not you did the crime or not, but can you prove beyond the shadow of a doubt? And that's why I didn't put somebody get Jesus. I didn't put black or white on it. This is a sin issue. It's just, it's just that it so happened to be mostly glorified or, um, you know, expanded or expressed Ooh, in certain. Yeah. But you got to remember, yeah. we're dealing with a whole entire culture of a nature of sin that says, I actually yeah. like getting away with, my, you know, with all of these things. Yeah. So when you start talking about come up here and tell your story, some people might are still living. That's the cross between. Glenn saying uh, some of them came in angry and mad, but the atmosphere that Glenn taught in also says you have no right to feel that way in my in my in my atmosphere. Here, you do not get a right to hold a grudge. Mm. You do not have a right to hate your baby mother. You do not have a right not to take care of your kids. I know the rap song told you that you can. In this class, you will be responsible adults. And I am here as a father to teach you. You are no longer with with, with excuse. So again, you're talking about the nature and you're talking about fact versus truth. We have a whole lot to decide. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is, Kim, you talk about, mm-hmm. a, I don't know, wh- wh- what year was it that Clinton was in, the, Clinton was president his last four years? 1994, 19... Yeah. Uh-huh. When, when they came up with the, the Republicans and the Democrats mm-hmm. came up with this work first or whatever they call it. Before correct. then, before then, you could have four or five babies. The girl could go in. She didn't have to produce a name. All she had to say, I got a baby. She could get wick. Whatever she needed. They didn't even question the father. And he right. just kept having kids because right. he wasn't held accountable. But when so they let me passed, ask you. go ahead. When they passed that law, and it's taken it almost 20 some years to catch up with them. Now, what your daddy got away with, I'm not raising you, you can't get away with. Mm-hmm. Because the system is saying now, when you come in to get help, well, who is the mm-hmm. father? What is the name? Produce the baby, the name. And yeah. you can no longer say, I don't know who the daddy is. Right. Because they're going to say, if you don't produce a name, we're going to cut off your services. What are you going to do? You're going to sing like a bird. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give him that name because he can't provide Medicaid and WIC and all that stuff that you need. 
So boy, like a boy. Exactly. So now all these guys that grew up and watched their daddy not be responsible, now they got four or five kids and the system is going after them. And they think it's unfair. Well, the culture has changed because they did some changes and say, you know what? We're not responsible for you to raise your child. You're going to be responsible as well. So they started going after these fathers. Unfortunately, and I don't know why that is, but a lot of them are African-American males. I don't quite get that. Well, let me let me say what I, what, I was going to say. I want to say what I'm feeling because most of the times when I do these shows, I try to just kind of fill the air and say what it's going to be. And Sometimes I just get stuck. I get, I feel like I, I'm fumbling through weeds and I just kind of get stuck. And this conversation freed me up. So hopefully when someone else hears it, it will free them up too. I know it will because my situation went from white to black to righteous and unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And you are either for or against. You are going to be for righteousness, for God and what God's kingdom upholds, or you're not. And those, regardless of race, regardless of color, and I think we as Black people better stop being victims. Because I felt this, I, I, I probably carry a victim something. And I'm really always able to put the victim badge up like, hey, hey, listen, yeah, 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 I was on welfare, wait, I almost killed myself, wait, I'm Black, wait. You know, my mama was on, my father was on crack, you know, like, wait. And at the end of the damn day, I don't give a damn if you white or black. You out here having kids and not taking care of your kids. You less than an infidel. You don't expect nothing to come good to you. And you on the same side as Massa and them. Like, you know different. Exactly. Exactly. You don't get the blame game. And so that liberated me because I kept feeling like, how how can we come out? How can we come out? But Kim, you already said, well, God has already provided that way out. And we have to do this in him. What would you say to a farmer? What would you say to a farmer who went out and took the time to cultivate a field and sow the seed and it started to grow? The watermelons, the cow, the cabbages, everything is starting to grow. And this farmer walked away from the field. What would you say to him? He was irresponsible. Why was- did you plant that you could not, that you would not? Exactly. So the same thing with a father. Why you plant a seed? Now your kid is growing up and you just walk away from them. Irresponsibility. Right you want to blame the soil? Or you want to blame the, it didn't rain? You want to blame everybody else? Because if it didn't rain one day, your job is to go get some water and water it. Just, wait, when I think, you know, we always be, I, I feel like in these conversations sometimes, I'm like Django and I and I be saying Glenn is like Stevens. I'm gonna get me a tux. I'm gonna get my little Stevens tux, and I'm coming on over to Candy Musa Musa Candy's uh, uh, Candyland because this Negroes people this they out of control. Like call it what it is. I ain't yeah. even gonna lie. We out of control. We yeah. out here shake, and we out here out here on this TikTok. Everybody shaking their damn ass like they getting paid for it. I'm like yo. Yep, what yep. are y'all doing? All that stuff is coming with it, and they say, you know, you get like, it. Of course, it. somebody want to stick stick raw. You out yes. here showing all of it, and then you gonna get mad. Then you have the audacity. My thing is, you out here as a female, and then yeah, you you made the decision too. You you yes. let him come raw. Yeah. So what more is it from you? 
I think it's a little unfair, but maybe not. Shit, he's just as responsible. Shit, both of y'all adults. Both, both of y'all men up, women up. Yes, yes. But I just feel like, and it, you know, it's easy for me to say, I didn't have my little 10, sh- 10 shares of welfare. You know, I didn't have my little span of it. But hell, I'd be damned if that was going to be my life. Yeah. And what happened to her? She was forced to raise this child. He he was he had an opportunity, like you said earlier, Kim. You had to grow up at 16 years old because you had a child. The father of this child decided, well, I don't know your situation, but he didn't necessarily have to grow up. I don't know what he did or not, but that's what guys do. They don't grow up, they go. And guess what they do? Go get another child. Yep. <laughs> so what are we teaching? So it's on twofold, because I don't want to, as a once former struggling welfare mom, I refuse to put that blame on a mom. And say, well, what are you teaching your sons? Hell no. The father totally left that responsibility, missed it. Therefore, your sons might have missed it. Therefore, hell, I got four sons. And none of their dads, you know, maybe one dad was in their lives. But it it takes more than coming every other weekend to pick your ass up to be a father. You um, You know, he probably did the most. But it was still, it's like, ill. It was still not it. Right. You know what I'm well, saying? You know, let me say this. You know, the, the issue becomes garbage in, garbage out. You know, lucky for me, I had foundational. You know, I listened to Glenn and he talks about how his father, though his father and mother raised 11 children, there was an example. I think what happens here is that we expect people to perform a certain way that don't have it in them. If you didn't put it in them, you're not going to get much out. So if twerking is all you're going to get out of her, then obviously someone didn't put real womanhood. Now, teaching is a phenomenal um, aspect of life. And you, you, you don't even have an America without the education system. We have education on book knowledge. What we don't have education on is how to be a man and how to be a proper woman. And our communities are lacking that. And we just cannot pretend that, well, they should have gotten it. No, they they only get it if you give it to them. You only get if someone is given. Now, people wake up every single day and there is a standard. Every state has a standard and they pour millions of dollars into education daily. They fight over the standard. They will arrest you if you don't come, if your parents don't bring you to school. They have suspension. They have a standard of life if you do not get the proper education. How be it is are our communities destroyed for lack of knowledge? Our people perish. Perish is over time. Perishable items means over time. Over time, this has happened, and we did not replace it with educators. If Glenn is the only person out here that's educating, shame on us. If you're the only one, and I'm not saying that we are the only ones, I'm just saying the true education that needs to be distributed amongst our people for the lifeline is bad. I feel God. And guess what, y'all? Ooh, I'm only saying. Jesus, somebody about to get them. Get them, get them, get them. Guess what? If y'all running nonprofit organizations and y'all out here and say y'all can't do no work because you don't have no funding, get your raggedy ass out of here. 
because you don't deserve to serve because you can you don't need a dollar to love you don't need a dollar to teach and you gotta go so that's where the real work comes in because i don't care if you don't have a dollar you got you yeah get your ass out there and do something yeah there's not there's not a lot of funding for men program for girls, for women, you said for there's girls. not a lot. There's not a lot. It's not a lot. And we did probably nine years. I'm with Kim though. Eight years. We went with not with with, not, with zero funding. But so talk to me about that because we're gonna talk about the zero, same. I mean, zero talk funding. To me, what did you do? How did you? I raised. I worked. I worked two jobs to fund Father Forever. Yes, he did. Come on now. Yes, he blessed. Blessed. And he paid me. And yes. he would give me a love offering. Yeah. Just so I can me. go in and take take his load every so often because yeah. he had to be at two and three places and one time he had to be in the courthouse he had to be in our house yeah let me tell you something hallelujah lord thank you lord let me tell you something i don't curse and praise god at the same time you know how we do i, I think if we was going you know i, I think do. the father knows Ooh. but if you are not angry about this situation right. everybody wants to preach but nobody wants to teach why because teaching right. means you got to touch and train teaching the bible said train up a child in the way he should go not preach a child you trying to preach at somebody who was never taught right and when we get to a place when we start everybody making money off of preaching but if you knew how to touch see jesus sent joseph and joseph touched jesus and he touched him all the way up to 12 years and i'm not talking about molestation i'm talking about he showed him how to put his hand to a carpenter yeah. He didn't call Joseph Apostle Joseph, and he gonna jo- Jesus is gonna learn how to be an apostle from Joseph. He taught him how to put his hand to the plow and make his way in life. Yeah. So yeah. how is it now that you got everybody spiritual, but don't nobody want to touch you for everyday life? Then right. you're gonna talk to me mm-hmm. about the numbers of criminal justice. How right. dare you? Because we're trying to separate and give the work of our hands to the police department. That is not their job to cultivate our community. Not at all. Anytime the criminal justice system is making more money off of, of keeping our boys hey, and the yes, yes, yes. from the sons, yeah. then we have a problem. Right. And we better know, listen, stop tithing to the damn church. Just stop. Put that money in a nonprofit organization. Somebody done clutch their whole soul together. Yeah, get it, get it, get it, get it. Get, it. get the money. Because guess what? If you tie into a church right now and your church ain't out here touching these men, touching these women, touching them and creating infrastructure that can counteract the system, then you ain't you playing games. Y'all Absolutely. playing games. And so I would um, um, implore, I will implore everybody listening. If you have a tie, tie it to fathers forever. Tied it to Can I Live. My mom ties to us. Tied it to the people out here doing the work. This is where God is in the marketplace. He got it. Because if we, if you think this work is going to get done by us waiting for the government to give us money to fix because we holding up the whole damn institutions, it's not going to happen. And when we get that realization, I don't give a damn. Y'all out here want to march and turn shit over, turn statues over, even though those white folks turn them damn statues over. Y'all want, you know, all of that. You ain't you ain't ready because you ain't down for this work. So you want something quick. You want to just do you want something quick. Yeah, I know you in pain, which brings me to my next thought. 
which tells me that is in it's improper, inadequate, it's not in order, it's not supposed to be. The fact that you have a shame, a degradation, a feeling of less than adequate, a feeling of subpar. Not, shame comes when you are when you are this, but you are living at that. I am ashamed. So it's almost like a subpar conviction. And if you feel shame, because guess what? If you, if ain't no shame in your game, go get the goddamn welfare. Shit, stay on bad child support. Don't pay no child support ever. Just be raggedy as your raggedy tail want to be forever. And don't give a damn about it. Go on Facebook and say, yeah, I don't take care of my motherfucking kids. What, nigga, what? Say that. But when you feel the shame and the guilt, there's a conviction because you know that things should not be. And when that's, those are you. If you feel ashamed, if you pulling out your EBT card, you feel ashamed if you are having to do anything that you feel is less than what you were purposed to do, that's a conviction. Unless somebody got another, that was my little two cent epiphany. Well, you know, let me say this. First of all, for you even to ask somebody to come on uh, messes up the standard. You know, come on. When you can make a whole rap song about, you know, driving dirty yeah. you know and that makes a million dollars when yeah. you talk about when you promote mm -hmm. saying that you would rather ride dirty than to ride clean and then here you come along talking about well let's talk about shame what shame right. what, do you, what shame are you talking about because we don't have none but Dre got a song out there work entrepreneur jay-z and pharrell it's out people out there putting this positive music now this i like well, that the, un, unfortunately I like that song. Uh, unfortunately it's a lot more negative music out there than it is yes true, and, true indeed true indeed and, and, and let me say this if you look at the origins of and i won't say hip-hop or rap but you take it back when we started talking about new york producing music and we were saying, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like jump sometimes. It makes me wonder how we keep from going under. You know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Hell so, yeah. And we talked about our hardships, not glorifying them, but bringing awareness to the state of Black America in the ghettos and the projects and, you know, these mm -hmm. high rise cities. They didn't make a lot of money off of that because it was awareness. When you start glorifying mm. your your poverty, and then America America is based off of triumph and fall. How many stories have America made off of? I started from the bottom, now I'm here. Mm -hmm. Or uh, tell us your story. Everybody make a story off of hitting rock bottom first, and then. Nobody lives a normal life. Nobody's going to get no Grammy for just living a normal life where you don't have 20 kids. You didn't get shot five times. You didn't have four baby dads. I mean, those right. kind of stuff, being normal, don't sell. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 So like, that reminds me of Kanye's like, yo, I got my jaw sewn up. I almost lost my life. Yes. With yeah. Christ. Yeah. Right. I love and Kanye, you're, by the way. And you're, showing your, you're showing your battle scores. My, I got I got more battle scars than you. But yeah. wait, but, uh, most, of them, most of them are self-inflicted. Mm, <laughs> right. Don't say that. But you used to say that, Cam. You was like, this is not 
what you used to say is it not that you would say this is not the Jerry Lewis the, uh, telethon? Yeah, it's not the Jerry Lewis telethon or something. You used to say this is not the um. Oh, you used to have it, but what 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 Glenn just said? Come on now, self inflicted. A lot of our battle scars are self inflicted. Listen, let me tell you something. I know females right now who throw themselves down down flights of stairs just to get a case. If that's not trying to invade your lazy ass responsibility, get your ass out there and work. I know people go to the hospital, bark like a dog, a big dog, roof, just to get a disability check. Yeah. That get that's America at its finest. It is. Yeah. yeah you know, I when I lived in New York, everybody was disabled. Was nobody walking around looked like had common sense. Like everybody was trying to get the check. Like <laughs> that, that was the bag. The check. The bag was the check. Ooh, the, stop. Yeah, you're right. I ain't gonna lie. They be like, girl, you know, go get the kids. You go down to social service, they be like, girl, get your kids on there. Just let them know they got it. Just go get them diagnosed. Tell the child to say some shit like he see Jesus at night. Yes, They'll yes. give him a check. Yes. <laughs> we got creative in getting, you know, we thought we was getting over it, but all they was doing was depressing us. And yes. Because they're limited. What you, you can do. Stop. You can't do so much. Because you you relied on them to you know to for your for your survival. And it's hilarious. You think you're getting over, but you're really not getting over. You're not. God sees all. You're not. That ain't God. Oh, I God. know America. Listen, I know these European, Western European cultures who are gripped with fear and very very mental. They have bestowed upon us various ways that we, some of us have adopted and it looks like you throwing yourself down a flight of steps just so you can get a, a you can sue for a check. Yeah. That ain't no different from going to the doctor barking like a dog. It ain't no different when they put these little obstruction in our pathways to make it tricky so they can keep all the money. It's the same thing. Same Kool-Aid, same pill, same red pill, same, same thing. Yeah. And we you won with them. You won with them. So we in and out of jail, and we sit on the jail cell, and we showing our in our roommates, our cellmates, our battle scores, been shot, been stabbed, and our, and our kids now are out trying to make it on their own. And you talked about the girls at the TikTok, all the little boys right around with sagging pants on. A lot of that is because the father's not present. If a man is not gonna let his little girl walk around with her booty showing. For real. A man is not gonna let his little boy walk around a sack of pants. At least most men don't. Now there's some, some guys. Yeah, like, you got grown ass men with gray cornrows. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's, yeah. <laughs> if but, you got gray, you shouldn't have your cornrows is gray. You missed the you 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 done missed your season. Exactly. We got a few of those out there, but for the most part, if you live in my house as a man, you go to work. Him is funny. You're not gonna sit around and do nothing, and I go out and work. If you're my daughter, you're not walking out with, with hot pants on, with your booty laying out. Listen, if you're my father and you got you not cornrow in my hand, I wish my father would try to cornrow his hand. Yes. I wish. Yes. I would cut them of that, off in the midnight hour. Not that is a lack is a lack of fatherhood. Glenn took us all the way back and dropped us off at holiness. Glenn said okay. if you walk around his house with hot pants. Now, when the last time we heard hot pants, you had to be apostolic under the bench, okay? Hot pants. But, man, you know, you're not going to let your little girl do that. That's true. You're not going to let your little girl do that. You're not going to let your boy walk around with second pants. That's true. The certainly is is certainly diminished. Yes, because the father is not in the 
house. In the future. Now we can look at this spiritually as well, because there is a spiritual component to this, and it's very real. Now you, you remember in the Bible, huh? You remember in the Bible when, when Moses, when um, they was killing all the little baby boys. Yeah. Remember that story? And the midwives and the uh, they told him when when you know, the midwife was instructed by. The um the enemy said so when the little baby boy is born, mm -hmm. you drop the little baby in the river and drown them. Mm -hmm. Remember that they were yep. trying to get out with all the little baby boys. Of course, the midwife said no, we're not going to do that, and, and they didn't do it. Know. Well, you know, in, in Moses' day, they were trying to get all get rid of all the little. That's why Moses' mama had to put Moses in a basket because they were trying to get rid of all the little baby boys. Yeah, so this stuff has not changed. It's just, no, so look at Jesus' day. Game. Look at Jesus' day. What happened with Jesus? Look at Jesus' day. Jesus, remember the story? When yeah, they was killing all the little boys under two years old? Yeah. And, yeah and, you know, one of them pages. I know it. Exactly. So this whole thing is spiritual. The enemy has always been after the head. Yeah. The man is the head. True. Yo, that's kind of always deep. been after... You know what's coming up? But when you kill a snake, what do you do? You what? chop his head off. Oh yeah, yeah. The enemy so has always. The, the enemy, so the has, enemy always, has always been after always the male. After the man, because he's the head. If you could get the, if you could kill the head, the body dies. So if you can incarcerate the men, you leave the women and the kids to scramble on their own. So there is a spiritual component to this. There is that's a spiritual church, component. That's why the church has to come together and help us pray and bring this stuff together. There is a place for the church. And unfortunately, the church has not stepped in this role. That is correct. And that's why I say we're talking, we're talking strictly about fat versus righteousness. Yes. Yes. And once we get to a place, that's why, you know, when you asked me, I started out with the father has already laid out a plan. Amen. And there is an answer. Like, it's not far-fetched that we can pull out of, you know, the propaganda and the social media and capitalism and focus on what the Father says. And if the funds and the legislative agendas do not target bringing back those, the righteousness of God in our families, and our communities, then it's a moot point. And that is where the believer should be. Now we can't also, we cannot rely on the legislation solely alone to yeah. do it for us. Why? Because Glenn said he worked two jobs to make sure the kingdom of God was brought to his to the population he was called to. Um, I was on welfare. I was on section eight, section three, two, and one, whatever section I was on to teach those boys in the <laughs> county jail for seven years. So the system supported me and my household, but in doing so, that's what I lived off to go and teach in the county jail. A lot of times people say, Kim, how did you get in the county jail? I submitted to God and went and taught. I didn't get, how much they're going to pay you? Nothing. Matter of fact, they didn't even vet me. They never took an application. They never, 
They, my apostle said, you going with me one day? When I walked in the door, he said, the class is yours. And they never asked me for nothing. Never asked, Miss Kim, when will you be back? I can come back Tuesday. Thank you so much. So the favor is what got me in. I can't tell you how to get in. But if you call, God will open the door. Come on. And if you'll be faithful, he'll make you ruler over many. So, hey, you know, I, I, I don't try to leave a pattern for somebody else to walk in that that's not how I got through. I got through by the grace of God. Now you're going to have to get through by the grace of God, but you're going to have to be willing and obedient. And the problem is we got so many preachers, but not many teachers. And again, everybody want to preach. Everybody got a sermon, but when you start touching, once you start teaching, hey. you're going to have to touch. And what you, would, when you touch them, they're gonna tell you what's going on. Yeah. You ain't gotta have no discernment. You ain't got you gonna have a conversation yeah. just like Jesus yeah. did with the woman at the well. Yeah. Yes. You sit down and people trying to make it spiritual and spooky when all they need is their light bill paid. Right. right. All they yeah. need is right. somebody to say you are beautiful. We right. gotta stop this foolishness. God needs some real people to come to earth. Right. To take care of real folk. And they don't need to be in a preacher sure about they are they are invested in on a daily basis. Yeah. And they don't need to even be preaching about Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. No, they need to be they need to be some practical how to walk in forgiveness, right. how to get my life together. Those are the things they need. They don't need to be preached at. But and if you can't tell me at the end of the day what sinner you Shadrach. have adopted, Jesus adopted sinners. Peter, Paul, and none of them had repented when Jesus bumped into them. They was not on the road to preaching. When Jesus met Peter and them on the road, none of them were saved. None of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost with a mighty burning fire. Those are people he had to pick up along the way and teach them why they were doing their trade. You, we we want to spiritualize, but we got to just genuinely love people. I don't want to hear another sermon. I want us to be the sermon. Right. We have a huge gap of fathers, huge gaps of sons being sons, huge gaps, and you can't find a man nowhere to mentor our boys hardly. Yeah. You can't find, but you want to preach, I'm going to snatch you right off that pulpit and tell you they're going to shed, rat, me, shed, and a bit, and go right in the, in the county jail. And when they get out, you need to be out there when the bells bumming show up, you need to be standing there with the bell buzzing, saying, I got a bounty on his head, too. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost got a bounty on his head. I know you got a bounty, but I got a bounty that I'm supposed to be equally yoked with him until he, the Bible talks about Paul saying that he toiled with them until they were delivered. Mm -hmm. yep. Amen. We 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 want to preach. I don't want to see you preach. I want to see how well you toil. Can you toil with a sinner? Hey. Ooh. Because Somebody, you can like preach it. about so them waters moving right. Come now. on. You can preach to me about how Jacob wrestled with an angel, but that wrestle, we are the angels of the Lord. He sent us to earth to wrestle with this sinner mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Until he could no longer, he said, I won't let go until you bless me. Now, yeah. if I'm the blessed going in and blessed going out, then you hold on to me, nigga, until you get your blessing. Preach, preach. <laughs> That's what I'm trying. Nigga, I'm going to knock on your crack door, and I'm going to make sure you hold on to me till I bless you. 
until I give unto you what has been given unto me. Oh, y'all. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna get off Can I Live show tonight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna commission the people. I'm gonna apostolically call the people to find you a sinner, because Jesus found some sinners when he was here, and he toiled with them. He wrestled with them. Come on now. He that win the souls is wise. Not he that prophesy is wise. Get you a sinner, nigga, so you can get your crown, so you can have a ruby. That is the rocks that's crying out. Mm. Put them stones in your crown. Them hard ones. If you're not breaking them hard rocks, then you're not doing the wheel. Mm. Yep. Amen. Amen. Take up the offering now. Get out. I mean, no, that's real. Look, you know I'm a cry baby. I got I got to tell you about the fall right there. There you go. Why are you crying about I that's real because I mean that's just real. I ain't got, you know, you always Jesus coming. laid the system. Jesus made the system. He said, Go except you go get my little ones. Go get my little ones. Except you come. I don't want to see your name at the front of the church with your own parking space. He said the last should be first and the first should be last. So the crackhead should have the first parking lot. Give it to him. Do your church got the crackhead first in the parking lot? I guess somebody put the valet parking crackheads only. Come on. Crackheads only. Come on. They're not coming with no cars. If you was a prostitute, you get front row. Come on. That's the, the investment of God is upside down. It is. The uh, come on, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Until we look like that, until, until it won't change. But yeah. I think you know we. I think we're on episode number like thirty-eight. We've been doing thirty-eight okay. episodes. Can I live? And, and you know, shout out to out. um uh Kev on stage. She said, "Listen, if you ain't down to doing a hundred if you won't invest a hundred shows without one follower, then you ain't ready. And so we will continue to cry out because there will be a time. This stuff with lane is just foundational so that you have the crumbs to follow as we continue to move. The movement, like you said, the work is already finished. And so we'll just be continuing walking in a finished work. Yes. Um, I learned from my mentor, Erica James, which is Anthony's wife, she said, stop praying and asking God for money. Pray for the finished work, the resources, Amen. the relationships, Amen. the mindset, the lifestyle, the, you know, the, the altitude, the things you need to shift your present circumstances. Pray for the finished work. Amen. And, you know, and so I thank God. I thank you guys, Glenn, because it's to me, listen, I don't care who don't watch this. I don't care who watch it. I don't care who like it, who subscribe. I don't even care. I just know that I get freed up all the time. Keep my soul clean all the time. And I will curse you out in the same time. I, I really will. Because, you know, some people like, she be, she just foul mouth. That's just a man-made curse. You can go to London and bloody is a curse. So, you know, it's just that we're just filled with this passion. And on this line right here, you have three souls. And I'm looking at the attendance. Oh, I got somebody raising their hand. Uh -oh. Hold on, Intrasoul. Intrasoul wants to talk. I have unmuted the mic, Intrasoul, right before we are about to part. What do you have to say, sister? Hello. 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 Hello
She raised her hand. Hold on. I see five participants interest, so yeah. Interest, can you talk? You raise your hand. I don't know how long the hand was raised. Somebody. I feel like singing, but I can't. Yeah, please. Spare us. <laughs> I miss you, Kimmy. I miss you too, Rock. And I will see you soon. Because yeah. uh, Monette going to do my work. Yay. Yeah, she. I told her about that. She was like, "I don't know how to do that." I was like, "Y'all know." So y'all go all together. She should do the same because I'm not work. I can't do Washington D.C. paperwork. I don't want to do it. She gonna do it for me. Yay! So I can't get interested to say her comment. I wish she would text it. But either way, we're at time. Um, I want to just kind of thank you always, Kim. You always bring the heat. Always bring the fire. And at the end of the day, you four against God. That's it. Ain't no middle ground. Ain't no middle ground. You you for him? No, you against him. Amen. Mm -hmm. And if you for him, it look like something. And if you against him, it look like something. Amen. Just choose this day who you will serve. Because this it's just, you know, the, the thing has switched. If you have not been sensitive to the time, we are in a different place. If you are not sensitive to the spirit, the things of the old is not what is here right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's time to, you know, pick a side, choose a side for sure. Oh, there it goes. Thank you for this. Awesome. Thank you. So we do this every single Tuesday at seven o'clock PM. We host this podcast. So I believe the same um, way you logged in, you can log in, or I think I'll put my, I know I always go live from my Facebook page. So I'm going to put that in here. And then you can always, if you don't get the whole login stuff, you can just follow me on Instagram at The Brillionaire or on Facebook as The Brillionaire. Um, thank you, Dr. McTarian of Save Our Sons. Can't wait to see you in D.C. Thank you, Fathers Forever. We're, we like, I'm not playing. We have to get this plan in motion here. I promise. I'm, I'm actually... Um um relocating a little bit to the east coast torchlight has asked me to do something that will free me up a little bit more but add more responsibility i know it's a little crazy but i will hey, hey. I, will. I thought that was yeah she got non-stop action i'm sorry so i do apologize so you will see me soon i love you all east coast, how far east coast what you talking about Bertie county ain't no damn east coast Okay, hey, hey. It's hey. North Carolina. It's North Carolina, but it, trust me, it's going to help me out a little bit. East like New York, New Jersey. No, no, I'll, I'll be able to come to D.C. So just wonderful, wonderful one. I'm digging over here. I'm, I'm Thank you, Kim, for coming on tonight. Is, I mean, is there anything that we need to know about what you got going on? You want to promote anything while you're here really quick? Yes. So Save Our Sons um, is now launching... Um, a campaign and uh, it's called North Carolina Corruption, but of course it'll go on a federal level. 
um, policies and statutes that are in place now that keeps corruption going on and um, injustice going on as well. We just did a whole, Save Our Sons just did a mural downtown Raleigh on Fayetteville Street um, in the heart of downtown Raleigh with all of our deaths. So we will, um, I'm going to post those live. You should um, begin to see some of our policy work and um, we look forward to serving the DC area. So, hey, stay tuned, because here we come. Yep, and it's not going to be yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, um, people are going to be like, they're going to be trembling and, and joyful at the same time. Trembling Amen. Sweet joyful at the same time. Word. Thank you so much, Glenn, as always. <laughs> it's always yes. a pleasure and honor. Ooh, um, Glenn, do you guys have a policy initiative at all? Oh. Because we need to create, we have one, but we need other organizations to sign on to it. And so we need to at least create, come up with a list of other organizations like yours that you might know of or others that's related, whether it's reentry, you know, anything that has to do with this body of work. Because we can put a policy initiative together submit it to Congress and let other organizations sign on. And that's the part that um, when I get to DC, that's the part that we're sort of mimicking and really not save our sons as much as SOS Consulting Group because SOS Consulting Firm is the foundation for the venue for the body of Christ to lobby for policy change. So that is what you guys will be investing in when you um, come forth. Of course, me and Raquel will be doing um, doing the tag team punch with the um, um, the two 9/11 fall, but we'll be uh, launching that as soon as I can get to DC fast enough. Thank God, um, some of this stuff will be uh, modified for my schedule. But <clears throat> I look forward to this new venue and this um, this wave of glory that God is bringing forth. I hope that you guys will support us in every way. Glenn, you will definitely be a part of that initiative. And, um, you we know. We got to support yeah. each other. Amen. If we don't Absolutely. do anything else, we support each other, you guys. Absolutely. Now go get the baby. Can you hear him? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye, baby. Bye, you guys. All right. See you guys Bye. Thank you. Thank See you, you later. Thank you.